This is Higher Education, a podcast brought to you by Catapult Solutions Group. Hi, and welcome to Higher Education. It is a podcast brought to you by Catapult Solutions Group. I am your host, Michelle Dawn Mooney, and today we are talking about cybersecurity. What you don't know can hurt you. We are going to dive deep into this topic, and I am very happy to bring on two fabulous guests who are going to be able to give you a lot of information about what we're talking about today. That is Richard Negron, who is Chief Information Officer, Catapult Solutions Group, and David Moon, who is Chief Executive Officer for ARCS Nimbus. Thank you both for joining me today. Sure. Thank you for having us. I appreciate it, Michelle. Thank you, Michelle. Great to be here. So before we get into things, let's start off with a little background, if both of you can give us some information about your past so people know who they're hearing from. Absolutely. I can start. Richard Negron, CIO of Catapult Solutions Group. I've been in the IT industry for about 25 years, started in software engineering, and uh, ended up uh, being the CIO of Catapult Solutions Group in Dallas, and uh, looking forward to having the discussion today around cyber. David Moon, CEO of Arcs Nimbus, and really started my career in the U.S. Air Force, running a data center for the nation's nuclear forces, uh, and went from there, uh, three master's degrees, and went on to be a CIO, corporate CIO, for most of my career uh, through Weston Hotels, Doubletree Hotels, and others, and then uh, went into the software industry in Silicon Valley. Uh, and have uh, been in consulting for much of my career after that, starting in the 2000s with Arthur Anderson, Capgemini, and PwC's cybersecurity practice before founding Arcs Nimbus in 2016. Wonderful. So we are talking about cybersecurity. October just happens to be Cybersecurity Awareness Month. So we all know that we should be careful when we give out any personal information, but that is especially true when it comes to companies. So let's talk about just how much of a threat is posed by businesses that are not prepared. Well, you know, Michelle, this is uh, a, so such a fundamental challenge for business today that in many cases, it's not even that they're not prepared, it's that they don't know the degree of their unpreparedness. And uh, that's really a, a hallmark of where we are as a society now on cybersecurity matters. And so we really don't have, unlike the accounting profession or perhaps the practice of medicine, where we can identify what preparedness means and what's really effective preparedness, uh, we're still really kind of on a learning curve in the cybersecurity profession around that. And so we really have to strive to give you the idea of that. You know, we've got a, a market. We've, we've got over $800 billion in annual losses in cybersecurity. So that goes to the preparedness. One might ask how prepared we are if we're sustaining those kinds of losses. Uh, we also have about $190 billion market for solutions and protections in this market. And so that's a very vibrant thing. Both of those numbers are growing pretty dynamically. Most estimates are at about 28%. But the key thing is they're not really converging. Uh, the lines are not, if you, you can extend it out as far as you want in the future, and those two are not converging. We're not at a point where our spending is getting ahead of the losses associated with this problem. So we've got a long way to go. And uh, if, you, uh, if you look at the uh, kind of progress that we're making, we're really just getting our heads above water uh, on a good day. 
And so lots to lots more to cover on there. But, you know, that's kind of the general read on where we are today. Absolutely. And, and, and to add to what what David mentioned is hackers never sleep. They're constantly looking for ways. Um, and today we jeopardize security for convenience. And we don't look at what is required along the new way of doing business and all these devices and communications and and way that we are interacting today remotely, right? That increases the amount of exposure. Uh, sometimes we overlook the basics, the fundamentals of controls and the training required. And there's something that obviously the these companies need to look into uh because they are they are exposed yeah, Richard, you made a, a great point. Hackers do not sleep. And the thing is, we're talking about a generalized group in the business world of very smart, intelligent people. So it's not like, you know, these hackers are trying to fool dummies. They're they're trying to fool people that are very educated, a lot of them more so than others with cybersecurity. But hackers are finding out more clever ways to trick people. So let's talk about that. What ways are they coming up with to compromise companies in divulging unknowingly very sensitive information? Well, Michelle, uh, both Richard and I have been involved in kind of uh, tests in the cybersecurity area. And I certainly have uh, conducted these tests myself as a corporate CISO. Uh, one of the things we find is that if you do a basic simple test that a hacker might uh, use as an avenue and you, you take, let's say a thumb drive and you write payroll on it in a Sharpie and you leave it in the employee parking lot, uh, it's more likely than not that someone will pick it up. And it turns out uh, it's very likely over 90% is sort of the benchmark there that someone will pick that up and, and try to use it on a laptop, something like that. So, you know, there's, there's like even basic physical hacker techniques like that that are out there. But some of the ones where we see the greatest degree of risk exposure are things like contextual spear phishing. So we had spear phishing in the past. It would be a message, and we've all seen these, that looks like, oh, it's your bank. There's an issue with your password. You need to log in and, uh, and correct this. And, of course, you go to log in with your actual password, and it's really not the bank that you're logging into. Uh, so your password is now captured and stolen. Now, you can rem remedy that pretty quickly, obviously, by going around and just changing your password, resetting it with the light bulb clicks on that, hey, I've just uh, been compromised in, the fa in that fashion. What's emerging now is more contextual spear phishing. And so there's actual monitoring of a, say, corporate email server that now you get a message that says, this is uh, Tanya Johnson, and I just wanted to make sure that you sent ahead the PowerPoint slides or the spreadsheet or whatever it is that they're trying to crack into for the meeting on Thursday with uh, Will Thomas or whatever. It is. They know the names. They know the timing. They know everything. And, and there are very few people, it turns out, that would view that as not a legitimate email that they need to respond to. So... Uh, the challenges here are going up and up and kind of, as Richard said, you know, they only need to be right once. So it's an asymmetrical sort of thing. We as, as protecting the organization need to be right every single time. Uh, but the thousands and thousands of attacks during the course of any general business day, 
that the even the average enterprise is getting, only one of those needs to be effective and get through the protections that we've set up in order for the attackers to win. So it's a very imbalanced, call it unfair, if you will, but asymmetrical sort of situation here. In addition to that is now with social media, right? Users are exposing their lives out there. So now through analytics, artificial intelligence, a hacker can now be more prescriptive when they do phishing attacks on your email, on your text. They may say things that you may be wondering, how do they know this? So you already get a level of trust that it's okay to respond back. So it's a it's a little scary, but we have done that to ourselves by us exposing to the world who we are, what we're doing, and that information is easily accessible to them, and they will do reconnaissance for a while, right, until they find a way where they increase the likelihood of you of clicking on something, right? And it only takes one account to be compromised that may or may not have access rights, but it's a way to start collecting additional reconnaissance of where you work until they get to that account where it has the admin rights to do the damage that we all know, for example, as ransomware, encrypting your files and getting into a lockdown mode where now the company is compromised. Let's talk about that because we think of the worst case scenario is you are breached and that information is now in the hands of people that are not looking to good, do good things with it. But what is the scenario there? What is the impact and what happens if those breaches happen? What are these companies facing? Well, quite often, uh, Michelle, you know, what happens is that the attacker or the attack uh, malware or uh, technology that they're using to compromise the organization is just kind of sitting there. It's just sort of dormant and it's uh, waiting for the right day. If you, if you think of it as like a kill switch that the attacker has possession of, that they can activate this at a later time. So one of the things that more sophisticated attackers are doing is letting that lay dormant for a period of time because, of course, we used to think, well, you know, the company can always roll back to its last previous backups, et cetera. Well, now this thing's been out there for like six months. You'd have to roll back to uh, six months worth of backups in order to get a clean copy that did not include their attack software in it. And by then you'd be losing a ton of customer transactions, updates, et cetera. Just be very, very difficult to reconstruct. So that's a pattern that we see. And then, uh, you know, a lot of that is is kind of geared towards enabling ransomware as well, where all of a sudden, when the ransom is put forth, it's it's more common than not that the attacker has locked up a series of devices, hundreds of devices in most cases now when it's a corporate attack. This is no longer the ransomware of old, which, by the way, also hasn't gone away on its own but where an individual's laptop was being attacked, your hard drive's been locked up, they're willing to pay a ransom, $3,000 or something like that. This is the ransomware vector that's leading to uh, $40, $50 million payments to the attackers, which is, of course, only going to embolden them more. And uh, what a recent case, uh, actually, uh, in the insurance industry was one where 
they had locked up over 800 devices. Now, you know, you, you could replace all 800 of those. That's not going to happen overnight, of course. Um, you could try to decrypt what's going on, and that's a, an absolutely long-term, over a year probably, exercise on that number of devices. And so the company in that case decided to simply pay the ransom. They turned, and this is the interesting part, they turned to their insurance provider, cyber insurance provider, and they said, what should we do about this? They did the math on the cost to replace all those devices, the lost business in the, in the interim while you're replacing them. And the insurance provider stepped up and said, you know what, I just will pay the ransom out of the policy. Now, you know, you think about that, that leads potentially to some very uncomfortable places. But, you know, this is the kind of dynamic that's out there as we try to get better at this. And then we may be having doing things that have unintended consequences as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one thing in, in in this area is is the interruption of your business, right? Even if you have all the controls in place, right? Uh, the backups in place. I mean, you have the the continuity of operation plan, et cetera, and you are able to execute it is the fact is that your business have been interrupted, right? And that equates to, depending on the business, the amount of money that you are not making, right? Because of that interruption. And obviously that can be a brand issue as well, which equates also to potential sales loss, right? Of products or services. Etc. And the employee trust on the company uh, on their own data, right? So it it, it just there, it, it's a flow down effect of one incident can cause ramifications to a company that it will take longer than normal to recover fully from a particular uh, hack into their environment. So it's uh, it's a very delicate situation. And one way we can avoid all of that is hopefully to avoid an attack. And that's why we're here today. So let's talk about some good news. There are, as the threat increases, a lot more technological pieces of armor, so to speak, that can really help in the battle against cybersecurity. So let's talk about what solutions are out there and are they effective? Richard, do you want to start on that one? Well, what I can say is there are many, many solutions. Um, one of the things that we do recommend is to go back to the basics. Understand where you are today. Look and analyze the vulnerabilities that you have and address them and focus on the training on the end users so they can understand. This is a dual responsibility. The industry does have the responsibility of coming out with these solutions, but it's also the responsibility of the user to behave accordingly so we both jointly can address this challenge. But there are many solutions out there and it depends on the size of a company, the type of interactions with other systems, and what actual tool or platform you adopt in your environment. But there are some fundamentals that the company have to go through in order to determine and validate and accept that they are vulnerable address those issues, have con uh, continuity of monitoring those issues that they have as they come along. And if they do get hacked, because the likelihood of that happening is very high, 
right? We, nobody's saved. Nobody can address 100% of, this, uh, of these issues with these companies is to be able to have a plan to recover, right? And test that recovery plan to make sure that at the time you want to execute, it actually is going to perform and keep it up to date. Yeah, and to add to uh, Richard's comments, uh, Michelle, that there, there was a very, very interesting study done about four years ago, and it actually uh, looked at companies that are post-breach. And one of the things they analyzed was what were the protections they had in place prior to the breach, and what were the protections they put in place six months after the breach? So, of course, many organizations are caught in this. It's the proverbial you know, locking the barn door after the horse got away kind of thing, right? And that's our human nature. And we can all reflect on the situations in our lives practically where we've been kind of put in that position. But it's very, very interesting that the kinds of protections companies put in place after a breach is fundamentally different than what they had in place prior to the breach. So, of course, you know, prior to the breach, companies are are kind of expecting, well, you know, it seems like we're pretty safe. Nothing has happened. There's almost a false sense of security that we find time and again that's out there because they don't know from what avenue the next attack is going to happen or what kind of the consequences would be. So we've done a lot of work on profiling uh, actual loss patterns by industry so that we can actually say, well, if you're in this industry, you're a certain size, et cetera, and then in accordance with standardized frameworks that call for these kinds of standard protections like NIST, for example, uh, we can put that in the context of these are the things that are said from these standard frameworks and regulatory structures that should be done. And here's how, how far out of that phase you actually are today. A uh, great example of that is uh, that we like to use frequently is what is your ability? How long does it take you to identify an unauthorized device being attached to your networks? Now, you know, most people would think, and even if they're not cybersecurity professionals, that's a pretty good capability for us to have, no matter what business we're in. And, and yet, almost no one, it turns out, has that at 100%. And so there's this gap. And what is that gap really exposing us to? Uh, companies today struggle with it, it. Even though we're here in 2022, we've got most the most sophisticated cybersecurity solutions known to humanity. And yet companies continue to struggle with, do I know what all of my IT systems are? Do I know where they are? Do I know what how they're being used? And so even that is a gargantuan effort for especially larger organizations. And things like patch management programs, which are chronically behind, it's very difficult to apply these patches. There's not an automated process for it. Uh, and, and so we're constantly keeping up. And there's a statistic that I'd share just for all of the uh, listeners out there that, look, 85% of successful breaches have happened and exploited vulnerabilities for which there's already a known patch. There's a fix out there. It just hasn't been applied yet. And then the final thing on, on solutions is that, you know, if you look back uh, five years ago or so, the average cybersecurity shop was running maybe uh, 20, 30 solutions. Today, they're running well over 200. So getting all of these to sing together 
And to know that a red alert here is the same thing as an orange alert over here as is it, you know, and severity levels and all of that, that's a massive exercise. And there are over 500 top cybersecurity solutions now. They're tracked by Momentum Partners. Uh, Arcs Nimbus is among them on that list from Momentum Partners. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it's getting to more and more and more levels of granularity. But still, we're not where we need to be in keeping up in this arms race with the attackers and their sophistication. Yeah. And the biggest tool I think that we can all agree on is being educated. And, you know, once again, that's why we're having this conversation, because as you said, David, you can have the best patches in the world, but if they are not affixed, they will do no good. So let's get down to the nitty gritty for companies that say, you know what, we need to do this. We need to put a proactive plan in place. Where do they start? What do they do? And then for other companies, they have something there, but maybe it needs to be fine tuned. What can they do? So for, for ages, you know, it's important for every organization, whether public, private, government, whatever they may be, to actually understand their risks. You know, where, where am I exposed? Um, you know, if I, if I build a home in a location that has a history of fires, floods, hurricanes, uh, earthquakes, whatever it may be, it's important for me to understand that. And yet in cybersecurity, we often don't start with that understanding. So really, uh, if I was running a truck fleet, for example, in my business, I would understand what are the risks associated with that? What are the losses? If a truck is totaled, what is the economic loss, et cetera? Basic things like that I would know. And yet people don't know those basics in cybersecurity. So what happens is the consequence of that is not having a real proper GPS that guides the efforts of cybersecurity towards where these risks actually originate, where they are, and where the most severe ones are most likely to impact us. So we encourage that level of analysis. And obviously, that's uh, most of the work that we do is in that space. Uh, once understanding that, then there needs to be a discussion internally. Every organization has a different take on this. How much risk are we willing to take on? Now, you could say, well, the, oh, the answer is zero. We'll take zero. Well, you know, then it's, it's the old thing, just like everywhere else in life, you won't be willing to cross the street in the morning mm -hmm. and, and get out of bed in the morning. And, and what, you know, if you want a zero risk environment, that's not really what any of us want in truth. So the question is, where do we need to be on risk? How long are we willing to take to get there? And what are we willing to spend to get there? And as we've found over the last two years, particularly, we've had this conversation with probably 30% of the Fortune 100 companies. And we find that if the, the CFO has a different impression of these things from the, the head of legal, from the head of internal audit, a head of risk management, head of compliance, head of cybersecurity, head of IT. And so they all have different, they're moving in completely divergent directions on these issues. And until we can get alignment, and that starts with understanding our actual risk that we're exposed to, then we can have a, a cogent discussion that's meaningful in management terms and a basis for action to say, where is it we want to go with all of this? And, uh, and then, then you understand what many boards of directors don't understand today, and they continually uh, have issues with this, and that is, we're spending a lot on cybersecurity. What are we actually getting? And having that understanding helps organizations time and again develop the will 
to really go after these issues and fund the proper fixes. Absolutely. And, and just to, to summarize here, um, I think David covered it all, but here, the fundamentals of knowing what your exposure is, understanding it, and how to prioritize the findings in a way that gives you the best security posture and best return on dollar invest for the risk risk that has been determined as an exposure for your company is, is very important. Any final thoughts as we're wrapping up here? Uh, just, uh, Michelle, I would encourage everyone to go out and get a better understanding of their risk and to think of it in terms of not just this is not an IT issue. This is a business issue because it's important to the success of the business. It's a defensive business issue. So as as much as every business spends a lot of time on kind of offense, if you want to call it that revenue generation, market management, all of those things, it's also important to have a good defense, because if we don't have a defense, we're going out really at, at very, very high risk. So understanding the risks, and then being able to apply that to where do we want to go and developing consensus among the leadership of where is it we need to be and how far do we need to go, et cetera. That's, that's a real fundamental process because it, it underlies getting successful in this space. That's great, uh, David. In addition to, to that, I want to mention is uh, take a look at the training the user training around this space, right? Evaluate, uh, make sure that they are understanding and test the users, right? There's mechanisms today that we can try out uh, in a friendly way the, the, the knowledge that your company users have and be able to measure that and then retrain just to make sure that the the employees understand their responsibility uh, in combination of all the other infrastructure that needs to be adjusted. But the key message here, we cannot depend on the technology to address this concern. We can do something about it as well by educating ourselves and understanding what is the phishing email? What does it do? What can I do? Where do I report? You know, how can we learn from incidents, et cetera, to prevent something like this from happening? A user can prevent a lot by understanding what they need to know around cybersecurity in, in, in their role. Yeah. And once again, coming back to education and the need for this conversation today, because the best software in the world can only do so much if people are educated in how to use it and are able to put a game plan together when everything kind of hits the fans. So wonderful information. I want to thank both of you for joining me today. Richard Negron, who is the Chief Information Officer for Catapult Solutions Group, and David Moon, who is the Chief Executive Officer for Arcs Nimbus. Great conversation, and I'm sure a lot of people got a lot of insight there. So thank you both for joining me today. Thank you, Michelle. Thank Very you, Michelle. You're welcome. Thank you. And I want to thank everybody for listening and tuning in to this podcast episode of Higher Education, talking about cybersecurity, what you don't know can hurt you in a big way, as we just heard. 
If you would like to subscribe to the podcast, you can hear more great information from higher education. And of course, you can go to catapultsg.com for more information on Catapult Services. I'm your host, Michelle Dawn Mooney. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you soon.